Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, we are in Highland Park, Illinois. Just yards behind me is a parade route where a man gunned down families celebrating America. And tonight, the death toll is rising. We are learning the names of the victims as a seventh person dies. Tonight, the new details of the investigation. The gunman firing 70 rounds, how he evaded police for hours, and the breaking news that law enforcement visited his home twice in the last few years. We speak with a mother who escaped the carnage with her three young children. When I just keep thinking that could have been us. How did we survive? Like, why did we survive? And warning signs missed, the troubling social media posts from recent suspected mass shooters. Experts tell us what we can all look out for online. I'm Major Garrett in the nation's capital with tonight's other top stories. New details in the investigation into the fatal police shooting in Akron, Ohio. Severe weather threat for tens of millions. We're tracking the dangerous storms and triple-digit heat. Brittany Griner's wife speaks out. We talked to the WNBA star's partner about the effort to bring her home from a Russian prison. And American Heroes Honor. President Biden awards the Medal of Honor to four Vietnam War veterans. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Tonight from Highland Park, Illinois and Washington, D.C. Good evening, and thank you for joining us on this Tuesday night. I'm Adriana Diaz, in for Nora. Major Garrett is in Washington, D.C. We begin tonight here in Highland Park, Illinois, where authorities are expected to soon announce charges against a 21-year-old suspected of shooting dozens at a July 4th parade in this suburb of Chicago. Tonight, we are learning the names of six of the victims that were killed. Just today, a seventh died from their wounds. The oldest, 88, the two youngest victims, 
parents of a young boy. They were together at this parade. And now that child is parentless. The investigation here is just getting started, but we are learning new details tonight, including the suspect's previous encounters with police. And the gun violence crisis isn't unique to Highland Park. In the 30 hours since the shooting here, there have been an additional six mass shootings across America, from Oakland, California, to Queens, New York. We have a lot of news to get to tonight, and CBS's Chris Van Cleve is here. Chris, good evening. What can you tell us about the latest with the investigation? Well, Adriana, police are telling us that the suspect actually legally owned five firearms. Some were found in his home. One was found in the vehicle that he was driving at the time he was arrested. And while he is talking to police, there remain a lot of unanswered questions. Tonight, charges are expected against 21-year-old Robert Bobby Cremo III. Police say he sprayed more than 70 rounds down upon hundreds of people watching Highland Park's 4th of July parade. Seven were killed, 38 others were wounded, including at least four children. This is the suspect after the shooting, wearing what appears to be women's clothing as a disguise to make his getaway. We do believe Cremo pre-planned this attack for several weeks. Uh, he brought a high-powered rifle to this parade. He accessed the roof of a business via a fire escape ladder and began opening fire. Police say the shooter dumped that gun. It was similar to an AR-15. Officers caught Cremo more than eight hours after the massacre, just five miles away. In the car, another rifle. Investigators spent today collecting evidence and clearing leftover items along the parade route. Lizzie Kennedy came back to the scene today. This is the Kennedy family Monday being escorted to safety by heavily armed FBI agents. My daughter is only eight, and she was screaming, please, mommy, I don't want to die. She screamed, please, mommy, I don't want to die. I'm like, you're not going to die. We have to go. We have to run. Uh, it was a gruesome scene. I Dr. Lauren Schechter escaped the gunfire and went back to help. I'm a surgeon. I've worked in trauma. Um, the wounds we saw were, uh, I mean, were, were military-level wounds. It wasn't a typical civilian handgun wound that you'd see come into the emergency room. These were, these were devastating injuries. You essentially became a battlefield medic. Well, we did what we could do with, with what we had. While the suspect's motive remains a mystery, police are investigating his disturbing online history. Certainly seems like there were a lot of warning signs. Did people see those warning signs? Were they missed? Did this slip through the cracks? You know, unfortunately, I think there are a lot of people who use social media as a way to gain attention. I'd like to focus on the fact, frankly, that this was a gun that was apparently obtained legally, and we need to re-examine our laws. Primo's uncle, Paul, says he saw no warning signs. There's no indication that I've seen at all that would, would, would lead up to this. I am so sorry. I'm, from the bottom of my heart, and I'm... I'm heart, very heartbroken. And Chris is back here with us. Chris, how did police find him, and what was he doing for the eight hours when he was on the run? Well, the suspect left the gun behind. That allowed the ATF and others to do a rapid gun trace to help identify where the gun came from. At the same time, the FBI and other investigators were piecing together a video timeline. That gave them an idea of who they were looking for, the vehicle they were looking for. The suspect went to his mother's house nearby and then drove to neighboring Wisconsin and back into Illinois when he was spotted by police, pulled over, and eventually arrested. Chris Van Cleve, thank you so much. 
Well, there were hundreds of people here for that parade, and those survivors will forever be traumatized by this shooting. We sat down with one of those witnesses, Natalie Lorenz, who was at the parade with her young family. What did it sound like? So loud. Not like one shot. Like rapid fire, all in a row. Bam, 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 bam. Like... Natalie Lorenz says she, her husband, mother, and three young sons had just sat down on the curb to watch the parade when the shooting started. We got down on the ground as fast as we could, and my husband saw a shooter and was like, there's a shooter. Um, And then we just got up and started running. I grabbed my youngest son, and my husband had my other two kids. My mom was running with us. She fell and got separated from us. When I was down on the ground, the guy next to me looked like his leg was shot off and the woman in front of him was completely covered with blood. And when I saw that, I'm like, you just need to get up and run. Lorenz soon reunited with her mother, Andrea. As the family fled, her instinct was to protect her children from the bloodshed all around. People that had been shot that we were trying to shield the kids from so they didn't see, but they were being taken away to an ambulance. Um, And we just kept walking, like, just trying to get away from there. It just sounds like such a nightmare. It was the worst moment of my entire life. Do you feel like this is sunken in or you're still in shock? I feel like I'm still in shock. I feel like I'm still just in complete panic mode. I don't know how to even make sense of this or begin to process this when I just keep thinking that could have been us. How did we survive? Like, why did we survive? Lorenz believes two parents sitting inches away from them didn't make it, and she can't help but worry what the future holds for her own family. It's one of those things everybody always says, you hope it never happens to you. It used to be like a freak occurrence, and now this is not. This is commonplace. This is a fact of life. This is the world that we live in right now and that we are raising our kids in. And it's not okay. And we have some breaking news. The suspect has just been charged with seven counts of first-degree murder. Authorities say more charges will come. And as the nation deals with yet another mass shooting, it's worth noting the similarities between the Highland Park suspect and other high-profiling shooting suspects. CBS's Catherine Harris reports tonight on the warning signs that may have been missed. New evidence suggests that as early as 2019, the suspect was flagged for an attempted suicide as well as threats of physical violence. While 16 knives were confiscated, local investigators ran into blocks. There were no complaints that uh, were signed by any of the victims. The suspects now removed online videos, also glorified mass shootings for digital followers. How would you characterize the online content? Ultraviolent. Former FBI and ATF investigator Scott Sweeto told CBS News there's a digital tsunami coming at investigators. It's one of the biggest challenges is how do you go through that crushing volume of information and tease out the stuff in there that might interdict the next mass shooter? 19 states and the District of Columbia have so-called red flag laws that allow petitions for the temporary removal of firearms from individuals who may be a danger to themselves or others. But no matter how good the law is and how much money the federal government pumps into it, if people will not pick up the phone or get on a keyboard and tell law enforcement about what they saw, 
the red flags are largely useless. While there's no hard and fast rule, Suito said a number of indicators can be concerning. Loners who idealize violence, especially recent mass shootings, and arm themselves. When you feel the hair stand up in the back of your neck, I think you really need to take that step and notify law enforcement, notify someone in authority so that they can decide what needs to be done next. The so-called lone wolf attacks can be among the hardest to disrupt because suspects can cross a threshold from hateful online speech to violence very quickly. And that's why timely tips to local law enforcement can be so vital. Adriana. And law enforcement is still asking for those tips here. Catherine Herridge, thank you so much. Now, for more of today's top stories, let's go Thank to you. CBS's Major Garrett in Washington. Right. Major, Thank you, everyone. It's really a somber scene here in Illinois. Yes, crisis counseling and prayer vigils there. Adriana, thank you so much. Tonight in Akron, Ohio, a state of emergency remains in effect following several days of protests that followed the fatal police shooting of 25-year-old Jalen Walker. The killing has sparked outrage. Walker was shot at least 60 times after fleeing a traffic stop. CBS's Elise Preston is in downtown Akron. Eight Akron police officers involved in the deadly shooting of Jalen Walker are facing an independent state investigation in Ohio, a first for the department. City Council President Margot Somerville says historically, those investigations were done internally. The state of Ohio does not require independent state investigations when it comes to officer-involved shootings. That is correct. Accountability has been kind of missing, right? Uh, transparency has kind of been missing. So there's been a lot of mistrust. We're trying to rebuild some of that trust. Police say this surveillance video shows Walker firing a gun from his car during a police pursuit last week. Minutes later, the chase turns on foot. Investigators say police body camera shows Walker reaching down to his waist area before eight officers open fire. Walker was unarmed when more than 60 bullets pierced his body. Five of the eight officers involved served just two and a half years on the force. Experience does play a role. In June, Ohio became one of 25 states allowing citizens to carry concealed guns without a permit or background check. A photo released by Akron police shows a weapon, magazine clip, and a wedding ring in the front seat of Walker's car. A family friend, Reverend Roderick Pounds, says Walker suffered heartbreak in recent months and was mourning the death of his fiance. She uh, was in an unfortunate accident and was killed um, abruptly on the highway with a semi-truck. And uh, so this guy's heart was so full. According to the group Mapping Police Violence, nearly 600 people nationwide have been killed by officers during traffic stops since 2017. Major? Elise Preston, thank you. Turning now to the weather, where more than 25 million Americans from Montana to Kentucky are in the path of severe thunderstorms, high winds, and flash floods. Elsewhere, excessive heat warnings and advisories are in effect for the Great Plains, the Midwest, and the South. For more, let us bring in meteorologist Chris Warren from our partners at the Weather Channel. Chris, good evening. 
Good evening, Major. An ongoing destructive wind event uh, currently in the Upper Plains uh, and through the Midwest. Already we have seen winds gusting stronger than 90 miles an hour and hurricane force winds do remain a possibility. It is very likely we're going to have more damaging winds and large hail. That threat's going to increase in Iowa, southern Wisconsin, northern Illinois, then into Indiana as well. And tomorrow that threat for severe weather again will We'll be back into the mid-Atlantic. This all happening, Major, while we're still seeing this week the potential for more record heat. The Weather Channel's Chris Warren, thank you. President Biden awarded the Medal of Honor, the nation's highest honor for valor, to four men for their service in the Vietnam War. CBS's David Martin reports. The Vietnam War seems long ago and far away, but it was front and center at the White House today. We're upgrading the awards of four soldiers who perform acts of incredible heroism during the Vietnam conflict. Retired Green Beret John Duffy was the lone American fighting alongside badly outnumbered South Vietnamese troops. We were given orders to fight to the death. He kept the North Vietnamese at bay, calling in American airstrikes, despite being wounded. They wanted to medically evacuate me, but I refused because I was the only American up there. They could not have held without American air. Edward Kaneshiro didn't make it back from Vietnam, so his son John received the medal for actions in the face of an enemy ambush. He ordered his men to take cover, and then he advanced alone toward the enemy position, armed with six grenades and his M-16. Dennis Fujii went into Laos to rescue South Vietnamese troops. He summed up 17 hours of combat with one of the great understatements of the war. I like my job. I like to help other people who need help out there. Dwight Birdwell emerged from this tank wounded but alive to fight off a Viet Cong attack. He was ordered to load onto the medevac helicopter. He complied. This I find amazing, only to crawl right back off the other side and to keep on fighting. That's what it takes to earn the nation's highest honor. I didn't want to die. But I wanted to do my job, and that was more important. If I didn't do this, everybody was going to perish. David Martin, CBS News, the Pentagon. The U.S. says it will continue to use diplomatic channels to seek the release of basketball player Brittany Griner. Griner sent a letter to President Biden asking his help in gaining her release. Griner was arrested in Russia in February for allegedly possessing cannabis oil. Her wife, Sherelle, told Gail King this morning that the government's behind-the-scenes efforts to free Griner are not working. I will not be quiet anymore. Um, I will find that balance of, you know, harm versus help in pushing our government to do everything that's possible. Griner's trial started last week. The investigation into whether there was criminal interference in the 2020 presidential election took a significant turn today when a Georgia prosecutor subpoenaed several members of former President Trump's inner circle. They include Rudy Giuliani, Mr. Trump's personal lawyer, and Senator Lindsey Graham, a Trump ally who made phone calls to Georgia's Secretary of State asking him to take a second look at some absentee ballots. A large wildfire is burning in the mountains of California, about 50 miles southeast of Sacramento. The fire began yesterday, consuming more than 3,000 acres. It may have been sparked by a barbecue or fireworks. Power is knocked out for 15,000 customers. Area residents were ordered to leave. So far, no houses or buildings have been damaged. Days of heavy rain have inundated Sydney, Australia's largest city and its surrounding areas. 
More than two feet of rain fell in just three days. A flood emergency is in effect the fourth in the last 18 months. More than 30,000 people were forced to leave their homes. Flood danger will stay high for at least a week due to rivers and catch basins being at capacity. We want to end tonight back here in Highland Park, Illinois. Fourth of July weekend is meant to be one of celebration. But in a matter of seconds, it became a weekend of chaos and carnage. Gun violence has become as much an American tradition as the parades and fireworks that celebrate our country's birthday. And this crisis doesn't stop at mass shootings. It's a crisis on our streets. And those disproportionately impacted are black Americans who are 14 times more likely to be wounded by gunfire than white Americans. About 30 miles from here in the city of Chicago, at least eight people were killed and 68 wounded by gunfire over the weekend. In Philadelphia, two officers were shot while on duty at that city's 4th of July celebration. And in America's biggest city, New York, 84 people were shot. For many, the holiday weekend when we celebrate our freedoms, our independence, is now when families will forever mourn a loved one. For Major Garrett and Nora O'Donnell, I'm Adriana Diaz. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> <laughs> I respond to quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that, does, that doesn't count. <laughs> Sure, I responded to everything because responding to you, putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>